there, welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I am the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church, and with me today is Mr. Paul Eastwood. Hey, how's it going, Paul? I'm doing okay. Still a little under the weather, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's been it's been a long weekend here, but a glorious weekend. Uh, we just got through celebrating our Easter weekend, which means Good Friday service and uh, two Easter Sunday services. Um, yeah, just got to celebrate the resurrection and what it means that that Jesus is now alive, that the grave uh, did not hold him. Yeah. Which is so, so good. Do you want to give us a little recap of what is it what is it we went through on Easter together? Yeah, well, first of all, if you weren't here on Easter, if you, you know, a lot of people are traveling and that kind of thing, um, man, you you missed out. <laughs> I think it was a great time together. Yep. Um, you know, and and not just about, you know, what, what we talked about or the music or anything like that. We had people sharing some of their testimonies just in these little short sentences through cardboard testimonies. And you've probably heard of those before where people are just kind of showing where they were before Jesus and where they are now. Mm-hmm. And I always am inspired by those stories of the, you know, I just love the fact that God can take us and change us completely. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. 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 And Easter is this really... Um, you know, to me, Easter is this incredible opportunity for us to remember the resurrection. And the resurrection is so important. It literally changed everything in history. And it's incredible to be, to think about this because, you know, when Jesus was walking around on the earth over 2000 years ago, uh, scholars estimate that he had roughly 120 followers, something like that. There was a small group and he started with the original 12. He had gathered, gathered this relatively small group of followers and this just kept growing and growing right after his death, what we, we know about in history. And, uh, you know, today there's more than 2.3 billion Christians around the world. And it's staggering to get our minds around it. And, and often, uh, Timothy Keller said in one of his books, uh, The Reason for God, he says the burden of proof uh, for the resurrection is typically on the believer. And it's this idea of, okay, tell me whether Jesus came back to life. Tell me how you know this is true. Give me the science behind it and all these kinds of things. And what what he mentioned is that if you do not believe the resurrection took place, you may have a difficult time explaining how the Christian faith got started at all. Yeah. Um, because the resurrection literally began to change people because they they saw the risen Jesus and it was like, I can't help sharing this with people, mm-hmm. even to the detriment, even right up to my own death. And I think, um, you know, at the beginning of our service, uh, uh, Pastor Brad mentioned this whole idea of... Um, he, he mentioned that that the question about the resurrection is changing these days. People don't ask as much the question about how did it happen? Did the body get stolen? What, you know, in, in that kind of thing. We know that Jesus lived uh, historically. We know that he died. We know that there are reports that he was alive. Yeah. And we know that the Christian faith exploded um, after that. Um, but I think one of the questions that, you know, Brad says that most people are asking today, and probably some of your friends, if you're listening to this, is, well, what difference does it make? You know, mm-hmm. so what? What Doesn't difference matter. does it make in my yeah. life? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, that's why we, we gathered and celebrated. And right. I, and I think we, I mean, we, we did our best to answer that question. And it, yeah. I mean, it, it, the thing, again, you mentioned cardboard testimonies. The thing I love about cardboard testimonies um, is that we've all got one. I know often we see these things and we yeah. see stories of uh, transformation from, from all kinds of, of bad things or yeah. depression or you know, abuse or, or things kind of outside of our control and these huge stories of transformation. And for, for a number of us who were raised in the church, we don't necessarily share that story. And not that, not that Jesus hasn't transformed our lives, but often it feels like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've gone from being a Christian who grew up in church to having a deeper understanding of my faith. And like, it's not all that like hugely transformational. And yet 
Yeah. That is still God. God is moving in our lives in that. Yeah. Way. Well, I can tell you if I had a, my cardboard testimony would be, you know, I would share that I came from a place of, of real apathy. Um, I was following Jesus because my parents did, because they took me to church, because I had to go there Sunday morning, Sunday night, my family all went. Um, and that was just kind of tradition for us. And, and I really, it, it didn't make any difference in my life. And so for me, if I had a sign, it would be, you know, that Jesus took me from apathy uh, to uh, passion and excitement over what God is doing in my life and the life of others. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And we've all, we've all got, we've all got a story. Um, so I'd encourage you, if you're listening to this, think about what is, what is it that's on your cardboard testimony? What is it that God is in the midst of doing? Maybe he's not finished that work yet. Maybe you maybe you're still wrestling through it, but there's something going on there. Yeah. Um, and then share that story, share it with, with someone you trust, a small group leader, a friend, a spouse, uh, one of us as a pastor, and we, we would love to love to chat with you. Uh, let, let's, let's go back a bit. You, I mean, before we got to the cardboard testimonies, we obviously, we sang together as we often do. Christ the Lord is risen today. We shared a new song, the grip of death would never hold you. Mm. Um, and then you unpacked for us this beautiful passage in Revelation 5, mm. which is not typically where we go in Easter, right? Typically no. we go to the end of the gospels and we hear yeah. about the crucifixion and then the empty tomb and, yeah. and the gardener meeting Mary and, you know, this amazing moment where we realize that Jesus is no longer dead. Yeah. Um, and yet in Revelation 5, we hear this story, yeah. but from a very different perspective. Sure. Um, what, what was it like preparing this? What, yeah. what kind of stuck out to you most personally? Well, I mean, first of all, this is kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit because, mm -hmm. you know, when we're preparing for messages and we're thinking about how we're going to work through different seasons, uh, you and I talk a lot about this. Yeah. And one of the things that you talked about was this great song that you had um, uh, that, was, uh, that we sang at the end of the service that... Yeah. Uh, talked about you know the resurrection from Revelation five, and so you came to me and said, "Hey, we're gonna go from this passage. Is there any way that you can use this as your you know the, the passage that you preach from?" And I'm thinking, like, no way. I mean, there's there's talks about like you know seven eyes and horns and people doing all these different things, and there's this kind of it's very symbolic and really hard to understand for a lot of people. And so I'm thinking that Revelation would be a terrible place to be. And yet, as I read it and as I continue to open it and unpack it, and um, you know in the le weeks leading up to Easter, it really just kind of um, grabbed my heart and, mm. and got a hold of me in this really powerful way. And so that's why, you know, I was there and just couldn't, you know, I couldn't help. So leading up to this, we talked a lot about how this passage in Revelation 5 is Easter, but from a heavenly perspective, right? right? Like it's a different, right. a different thing that's happening. Um, and I mean, there, there's strong imagery and there's lots of, you, you talked a little bit about Bible yeah. scholars, you know, what do the seals mean? What does this yeah. mean? Um, but this, this beautiful image of no one is worthy. Everyone is weeping. John is observing this and you know, it just, it can't be done. Yeah. And what, the one who's worthy, the lion of Judah shows up and everyone says, look, there's the lion. And John turns and what does he see? He sees the lamb. Yeah. Uh, the lamb who looks like he's been slain. Right. And this, yeah all of this biblical imagery starting in Genesis, starting in the, the Passover, um, yeah. you know, the blood and the, the, just all kinds of things that, that speak of the Messiah, which is so, so good, right? That all of history has been pointing to this moment and heaven is open to us in this moment in this revelation from John. Yeah. And we see this. And, and I think, I think what you're getting at as well is just that it's, it's amazing to me that there's such a long picture that begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. Yeah. And it's so consistent all the yeah. way along. 
And so for the Jews at, at the end of Genesis, and um, there's this whole understanding about the the root of David mm-hmm. or the the lion of of uh, Judah, and there's this there's this uh, imagery of this of this this Messiah, this coming Messiah. And it's powerful stuff. But then there's also probably one of the most powerful images in the Old Testament is the deliverance of God's people from this place, Egypt, where they were enslaved. They were completely enslaved. And God comes in and he says, okay, I'm going to look after this. I'm going to take you out of that. And the way he does that is with this whole Passover experience where, you know, the people of God put the blood of the lambs over their doorposts and, and the angel of death uh, goes over and, and it, it allows the God's people to, to safely be removed from this place of slavery. Mm-hmm. And it's something they couldn't do on their own because they were completely captured in that context. And so, and so that imagery comes back up in the New Testament in the yep. person of Jesus and, and it's painted even more beautifully as you go into Revelation. So, yeah. And I mean, I know uh, we often talk about, you know, if you're a newcomer to church, there, there's weird things we talk about. Totally. One of the weird things we talk about is blood. Yeah. Um, and you know, it is, it's weird. We, when we do mm-hmm. communion together, which we do monthly, we talk about eating Jesus's flesh and drinking his blood. Right. And mm-hmm. seriously, we're not a cult, um, yeah. which is hard for people to believe we're outside of this. Yeah. And yet when we read the scripture, I mean, l- literally starting right after the fall, what does God do? God creates garments for Adam and Eve, right? God sacrifices, God kills an animal. There is blood. And there's this hint that God is at work. Yeah. Um, and then we see it in the sacrificial system. We see, this system which requires blood and then we see it at the end in this picture in revelation this view of jesus being this ultimate sacrifice and this this lasting sacrifice so that we don't have to keep going back and yeah i mean we think there's a lot of blood in church now um you know we weren't part of the temple days when literally families would have to come and sacrifice animals yeah Um, and we celebrate jesus's final sacrifice as that um, yeah. and it's it's wonderful yeah for sure and 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 the way that this all comes back to easter is that when john looks to see the lamb he sees a lamb as if it were slain and so it's not that he sees the lamb before the lamb is led to the slaughter it's not like he sees the lamb before the sacrifice um, what he's seeing is the sacrificed lamb who's now there in the throne room and so, and I mentioned on Sunday, this idea, it's not like someone says, you know, like who is worthy? Is anybody worthy to open the scroll? And someone says, yeah, there was this one guy, but he's dead. Mm. And that doesn't happen. He says, no, there is this one guy, the lion of Judah, um, the sacrificial lamb. And then he shows this person, uh, Jesus appears and he's there. So it's almost like that. That's where the, the resurrection gets tied back into this passage. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, just amazing. So let me ask a question. I mean, we've, we've spent this time in revelation, um, seeing this image of what things look like from, from heaven. How do we live into that now? Yeah. So there's a couple of ways I would I would say the first thing that I think is really important in and I mentioned this on Sunday is that you know why do we why do we need a, a picture of heaven? And mm. and and what I said on Sunday is that it's for the same reason that we need a picture on the front of a puzzle box. Um, When I'm in the middle of a puzzle and all the pieces just aren't fitting together the way that I expect, the first thing I do is I reach for the puzzle box and I want to take a look at it so that I can orient myself and get myself back into the, you know, to to understand what I'm in the middle of. Mm -hmm. And so to me, a glimpse of heaven reminds us of the glory of God, God's victory in the end, the power, all of these things. And it allows me to kind of orient myself where I am today. 
Um, yeah. So seeing the goal or seeing the end actually does support me, um, you know, in the middle of whatever I'm facing. Mm-hmm. And I imagine there's all kinds of people who are have these puzzle pieces going around that they just can't seem to fit together and they're trying to figure it out. Yep. And, and so the reminder of, hey, just take a deep breath. There's a big picture going on here and here's how it ends. Here's the picture of victory in the end. And that can give us the courage that we need sometimes. So that's that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that I think we need to recognize, and, and I don't think we do a very good job of this generally, that there is a spiritual realm that exists um, that is um, that is, is important in our lives. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference yep. in what's going on. I mean, let's dive into that just sure, a little yeah. bit. I know we're not going to get very far, but um, it seems to me there's there's kind of two dangers when it comes to the spiritual realm. One is to ignore it completely and to say, yeah, yeah, there's stuff going on there, but it, it kind of happened, right? And in the same kind of view, view, I mean, it's a little different, but this view that God created everything and he's just kind of standing back and watching. He's a, the clockmaker, right? And and there's stuff happening, but we have no way to interact with it in any way. And then the other extreme, which is to say, well, everything happens because it's spiritual. Everything mm-hmm. is a demonic attack or it's angels looking out or it's, um, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we live in this tension and where is appropriate to kind of, bring the spiritual into the physical, into our world? Yeah. Um, Good questions. And I I think one of the things I would say is that we need to always have our eyes open um, to be aware, to be... uh, um, One of the things that I started doing after um, I I had... So I I would say, as as I've said before, I don't think we do a very good job of uh, acknowledging the spiritual realm uh, as much in in some of our evangelical traditions. Mm -hmm. And certainly that's where I came from. Um, When I spent some time with some people who... um, who sort of were from a denomination that had a bit of a different perspective, it really helped me. We sat and had some good conversations together. And one of the things that they encouraged me to do was to be more spiritually aware. One of the ways I could do that is by praying just very short, quick sentence prayers before Mm -hmm. things happen. So for instance, uh, before I go up to speak on a Sunday, I'll often just quickly, you know, whisper some, you know, sentence prayers, asking God to speak through me and to allow me to say what I need to say. If I go into a meeting, it doesn't have to be a spiritual meeting. If you go into any meeting at work, uh, it's very easy just to say, God, if there's something I need to hear here, let me hear it. Hmm. If there's something I need to see, let me see it. If you're about to have coffee with a friend, um, you know, ask that same thing. God, you know, help me to say what I need to say. Mm-hmm. Help me to not say what I don't need to say. Yeah. And and to be really spiritually aware, having these quick, very uh, sentence prayers, conversations with God on a regular basis, mm. it, it opens us up to the possibility. Yep. Now, on the other hand, what I would say is that I would also say that we need to be, uh, I believe very firmly that God can do and does some, some things in very dramatic ways. And he speaks to us in some incredible ways. Yeah. Uh, I also am less convinced of my own ability to be always interpreting those things accurately. Hmm. So for instance, I had a friend of mine who said um, that he really felt like God was calling him to uh, to go and pray for some kids at the nearby hospital. Hmm. So he jumps in his car and he drives over to the hospital and he says, okay, God's you know called me here, obviously. And so he goes into the front desk in the information center and he says, okay, tell me where the kids area is. And they say, well, we don't have a children's section or a kid's area specifically. And he said, well, um, is there, is there a, 
you know, a, a hospital around here that does. And they said, well, there's one that's, you know, another uh, 60 miles down the road kind of thing. And so he gets in his car and he drives to that second hospital and he yep. goes in there and he, he ends up, finds the kid's ward, walks into the middle of it. And he says, okay, God, you know, I'm here. Who, what did you want me to say? Who did you want me to pray for? What was the, mm-hmm. and he sat there and he said, I felt like I heard nothing. Hmm. And he said, I waited and I didn't hear anything. And so he said he eventually, he prayed, but he eventually turned around and drove back home. Hmm. He was a new Christian at the time. And he said he felt so ashamed because he said, you know, I I really felt like God was telling me something really important and I needed to hear it. And, and, you know, what he said to me as as kind of an advice is he said, you know, sometimes I, I don't know whether it's, it's God speaking to me in that particular moment or if it's just bad pizza, (laughs) but you know, something it being available to respond to those moments, Mm -hmm. um, is, is a really good way to begin to see God at work. And I think we get better at it. Um, you know, I, I do think it's important for us to be listening for God's voice. And I think that God does speak to us and, and help us understand things in really powerful ways and sometimes even miraculous ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that especially as we're beginning to just kind of figure all of this out, I think, um, you know, just having that as a, as you know, uh, recognizing that God gives us these moments and just being thankful for them. Um, uh, but not sort of going over the top and sharing these things definitively as if we have the corner on all of this. Yeah. Um, because I think, I think, you know, as I said, I, I, I do know that God speaks to us. I am not as convinced in my own ability to hear it accurately all the mm. time. Yep. And so I think I always have to play off those two things. Yeah. yeah I'm listening for them, but I'm also going to be cautious. And yep. I, you know, test these things against what you read in the Bible, yep. um, share them with people that are around you and have those kind of conversations. I think that's really a helpful way to deal with um, some of that um, spiritual realm. Yeah, that's really good. Really good to be, um, I'm just paraphrasing you, really important yeah. to, be, to be open and to understand God absolutely works in these ways. And and no matter what we do, we kind of are aware of the Spirit's presence with us. Even um, a really good practice, if you, uh, if you are reading the Bible every day or if you're not yet reading the Bible every day, start doing it. But yeah. start before you read by just saying, God, I'm here to hear from you. Um, you know, reveal to me what you need yeah, uh, and, and what I need to hear today. And even that little kind of prayer just helps open us up to this idea that God is not, he's not a set of rules. He's not yeah. a, a thing I need to obey. It's a relationship. Yeah. Um, and yet, I mean, in any relationships that we have, uh, mm-hmm. or I'll speak for myself, but I'm assuming you're in with me, right? Sometimes you have misunderstandings. Sometimes yeah. you, I, I mean, with my wife, sometimes I think I've heard what she's saying yeah and no you know i find out later that i haven't quite heard what she's saying i don't quite understand it yeah um and so we need to talk about it more we need to spend more time i need to figure out uh you know spend time with her and figure out okay what why did i misunderstand that how do i make sure i don't do that next time which again comes down to um, being in community it comes down to spending time in the word spending time with people who have been on this journey for longer than we have absolutely Um, and, and really good way to yeah to test Test what we hear. Yeah, and I and I think I think as I said, the 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 key is to expect that the spiritual reality exists mm-hmm. and expect to hear from God. And so I think we should go at it from a perspective of not the the caution or or feeling like we're you know yeah like I think we should we should always be open to those things. And that's why I say to begin with, I think you know we always have to have our eyes open, and yeah. that's the most important thing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm going to end us a couple minutes early this week. Yeah. Uh, because I'm going to share with everyone who's listening the song that we did. Yeah. Um, so we we wrote a song uh, by we, I mean myself and Ben Rudy and Matt Reynolds, two guys who are part of part of our Compass Point family here. Um, we spent a bunch of time just considering Easter, considering why it's important and what it is that 
grabs us and is meaningful in our lives. And we wrote a song for the church um, awesome. that we did this Sunday and we have it up on all the music platforms, wherever you like to listen to music. Um, but we're going to share a little clip of this here. Go check it out if you want, share it with your friends. Um, just use it as a reminder that, that God is yeah. alive and moving uh, and that the grip of death, which didn't hold him also doesn't hold us. Um, there's great freedom and life in that. Uh, any, any closing thoughts for us, Paul? No, just, you know, this song is awesome and it's a reminder of the power of the resurrection. And I'm so thankful for our church and for the Sunday that we were able to have together to worship together. It was just a great time. So thanks for sharing. No problem. Thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Show.